Mindfulness Mode 352. Things are happening so much more quickly, and it's unrelenting now. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness right here on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Well, you are in the right place because we are going to become more grounded together, become more focused with all the mindfulness we'll be experiencing today on this episode. And we always do experience some great levels of mindfulness. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and please share with your friends. Tell your friends all about it and they can download it. They can hear the show. That really helps us. And I want to share with you also that I've recorded another guided meditation and speaking of helping mindfulness mode this would really help me out the the cost of this guided meditation is four dollars and 99 cents and that will really help me out here on the show if you don't mind paying 4.99 for this guided meditation it's about abandoning your inner blocks surrendering your stress becoming more focused and raising your personal level of contentment You can definitely achieve more of the things you want to do in your life if you have increased concentration and if you have been able to abandon your inner blocks, release some of these things that are holding you back. You will hear the the calming sound of waves and it's a full 30-minute guided meditation. You can listen to part of it or all of it, whatever you like. And of course, listen to it over and over and over, day after day, if you wish. You can receive this free guided meditation recorded by me, Bruce Langford, at mindfulnessmode.com forward slash release. I'm here with my featured guest today, Natasha Todorovic Cowan. I am excited because she's talking about spiral dynamics. So stay tuned, stay in the mode, and sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. How are you? Tell me this. Are you in mindfulness mode today, Natasha? I am totally in mindfulness mode, Bruce. Your voice puts me right in mindfulness mode. Oh, that's great to hear. Well, Natasha, you've done amazing things in the world, and I want to share a bit about what you've done with our listeners. So here goes. Natasha Todorovic Cowan is the CEO of National Values Center Consulting, and she's the owner of the brand Viral Dynamics. Natasha is all about helping people and businesses change for the better. She's helped corporations with dysfunctional teams and incongruent leadership move to new levels of success. While Natasha has personally endured massive levels of change in her life, she lived in three countries before the age of seven and then later in adulthood experienced two acquisitions and an industry that disappeared overnight. She's delivered over 100 Spiral Dynamics programs in 14 countries and continues to help teams learn how to meet their organizational goals. So Natasha, let's talk about mindfulness. What does it mean to you? Well, I think what mindfulness means to me is being in heightened awareness and attention on the people around you 
the situation that you're finding yourself in and those invisible connections between you and your environment and those around you. So I think it might mean something a little bit different to me than it means to uh, a lot of people. Well, I do find that there can be quite a variation of meanings when we talk about this. And before we hit record, we talked about how, you know, it's not just what it's like in your life. It involves other people. Let's elaborate on that. It, it involves other situations. And let's talk about that. Well, so I really have enjoyed your show tremendously and have been paying attention to exactly that question that you asked, which is what does mindfulness mean to you? And I noticed that a lot of your guests um, were very eloquent about the way that they expressed their interpretation of mindfulness and a lot of them meaning it about the self. How do I in tune into what is going on within and inside me? And I noticed that that was a little different from the way I interpret it, because I think I take for granted that I've got this level of awareness of what's happening inside. And some people, as they're exploring that, find all of these cool things about their emotions or how they might be feeling an emotion about an emotion or how they might be having a thought that triggers another thought and heightening their awareness of that becomes their objective and goal. And then they step into, well, I'm becoming so aware of self and so mindful of self. Everybody else should do this. And what they're missing is that mindfulness means different things to different people. And some people don't necessarily have that capacity for that heightened awareness of self, um, let alone for a heightened awareness of context and other feelings and others' um, ways of processing. And that gets us um, a little stuck in terms of imposing our way of doing something on others. Right, right. Well, Natasha, you have worked in neuro-linguistic programming for some time. I want to know how you got involved with that and how that helped with your sense of mindfulness. That was so long ago, but you're right, because it's never gone away. I was first exposed to NLP in the early 90s. And I think at that time, I had no clue there was this whole inner world and it was really more about just reacting to what was going on inside me. So I had this spider phobia, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you spider. I mean, I found myself on top of a couch because there was a spider on the floor. And I used a whole can of spray on one poor spider. I mean, the legs were kind of going. Oh, I, guess. <laughs> I was still spraying, right? And I mean, that's that piece of just reacting to what's going on internally. And what was fabulous about NLP was it helps you parse out that piece about what are you feeling? How are you seeing the spider? And I mean, the spider was this teeny tiny, you know, maybe has, you know, two centimeter size thing. But to me, it looked like it was a foot big, right? So when you get those uh, images that are going on in your head, 
clarified and specific and concrete and externalized in a way where you can actually compare what's going on in your head to what's going on in reality. That's a magnificent way to become mindful of what your mind is doing and of what your reactions are doing. Right. Well, I know that it's helped a lot of my guests because we've talked about NLP before. Let's talk about spiral, uh, spiral, or sorry, viral dynamics. Viral, no, you got it right. <laughs> yeah. You're yeah. right on spiral dynamics. Right. Let's talk about that. So, well, spiral dynamics is our brand and trademark. And essentially what we've done over the last 20 years um, in the training and in the consulting and in teaching coaches to coach is to recognize the different worldviews that might exist amongst the people that we work with and within ourselves. And by understanding how we see the world and how we change and how we grow and how we're motivated, being mindful of these differences, the world expands and who we are expands and the way that we're able to interface with one another gives us a whole new level of access to worlds out there that we might never have appreciated or recognized. Well, it's fascinating to know how you've uh, been to so many places, so many countries to help so many people. Tell us a story of traveling to one of those places and what it was like and what you did to help a company there. Well, we, one of the, I love so many different countries and, you know, people would say like, where did you most enjoy going? And, you know, they think it's, they think it'll be like one of these, well, I think they're all cool, but I absolutely um, love South Africa, Australia, Russia. Um, and I remember we were in a room with a group and the power went out. And for us, power going out means, okay, where do you swap uh, from where you are in terms of your content on slides and move to in terms of content that people can absorb and work with um, in the room together, right? To us, right. that's a first world problem. Sure. We had, we realized that outside the room, um, I mean, there, there, was a, there was a wall. I mean, it was like a 14 foot wall with um, wires at the top that were electrified. Right. And we noticed a guard walking the perimeter of this wall. And it's like, seriously, this is like Jurassic Park. You really think that the Tyrannosaurus Rex is coming over that wall. And we realized that our participants were horrified by the fact that the power had gone out. Because to them, what it meant was potentially right then and right there, their homes were being broken into. Um, they could be robbed, um, and their, their um, loved ones might be in danger because that was the context that they were working in. Right. So it gives you a very sobering view of how different people have these different conditions that they have to confront. And did, were you able to continue your presentation or did it cease? Did some of them leave in order to deal with some of these challenges? Well, they, they made calls and they needed a few minutes to 
call, make sure somebody was there, make sure things were in place. And we continued with what we were doing. We just needed to give them a bit of a break. And we, we managed to continue fairly flawlessly in terms of flow. Um, and everything was fine with, with, with their worlds and their lives. Um, and it was just this beautiful moment of stark contrast of assumptions that you make in your world and seeing how others make these assumptions in their worlds sure. and how differing those are. And I remember driving by um, um, what they called squatter camps or informal settlements and watching a woman impeccably dressed in a gray suit and high heels and a briefcase. And as she's walking along the dirt between these homes, and I put homes in air quotes, because they've been constructed out of materials that they found discarded um, in, in the garbage. And that's how they're living. And they don't have electricity and they don't have water. And she's walking home looking like a business professional that you'd see downtown New York, but she's going home along these dirt pathways and as you fly over South Africa or Johannesburg, as you're coming in or leaving and it's dark, you see vast patches in the middle of the city that are dark, dotted by small fires here and there. And you know that they are using fire, not power, but fire to cook and to light their, their way. And you know it's been a very cold night when you wake up in the morning and you smell wood, burn, burning wood on the air. Right. Wow. Wow. What an experience that must have been. Now, spiral dynamics is fascinating to me. And I'm wondering if you will share some specifics, some specific strategies that you teach as part of spiral dynamics to help people change for the better and businesses and corporations. Well, give you um, an example of a um, uh, an executive that uh, I've been working with, and um, he says to me, um, Natasha, you know, I'm having a really hard time connecting with folks, and it's become an issue because I feel lonely, and I feel like I'm not getting the best out of my team because I am not having this connection. And I said to him, well, Joe, um, we've just spent the last hour having a conversation, having a conversation about you. And when you asked me, you know, Natasha, how are you? I said, oh, I'm doing fine. How are you, Joe? And you proceeded to talk for the last, um, it was about 67 minutes now. Um, you showed no interest in me. And he said, oh, gosh, I can't believe that. And I said, it, you know, this isn't a problem for me, but notice that your attention is on you. And that means there's something that's unfulfilled in you. And if you can pay attention to that and notice what it is that you're trying to get out of your conversation, what attention you need, or what you desires you're trying to get met, when you fill that, um, when you realize that your drivers are what's happening in you, 
you'll be able to thoughtfully and consciously and with purpose begin to notice what's happening for others, not your projection of what's happening for them, but what's actually going on for them. Wow. So it's, you know, something that like he expressed, he didn't even realize that he was doing it. And you made it very clear to him how he had to change so that he could be the person that would connect with others by not focusing on himself. Yeah, and most people would take that as, well, you know, Joe's obviously selfish and not that whatsoever. Um, Some of these guys can be the most generous people there are, but because they're internally driven, all the signals are coming from inside. And if you know where the signals are coming from, you've got the exact polar opposite, all the signals are coming from outside and you're not even aware of self. Right. So if you know where the drivers are, whether they're internal or external, then you're able to at least if you are mindful of where they're coming from, then you're able to be mindful about shifting some so that you can meet the needs of either yourself if you're neglecting yourself or the needs of others if you're more driven by your internal drivers. Right. Natasha, in the introduction, I mentioned an industry that disappeared overnight. Can you elaborate on that? Well, a little known fact about me, Bruce, is that one of my earlier careers was in the fashion business. So I was a stylist merchandiser, and my job was to have my finger on the pulse of what people were going to want in terms of design and color a year and a half before they were going to want it. So when NAFTA was signed and went into effect, um, all of the jobs in the textiles, in design, in clothing went overseas because it was so much cheaper to do it in China than domestically. Mm And we had the lumberjacks out West going, this is going to destroy the industry. Well, you think fashion people are going to pay attention to lumberjacks, right? But they were right. And one of the things that taught me was that you have to pay attention not only to your industry and the flows and the uh, messages and the social shifts and political swings and you know, direction that the um, winds are moving in in your own industry, but you've got to take a bigger view politically, nationally, internationally. And with things changing as quickly as they do, even though my industry disappeared overnight, um, over 20 years ago, um, those are still the kinds of things that can happen to any one of us and any large business like Kodak overnight. And if we don't have our finger on the pulse of change and things are changing much more rapidly, things are happening so much more quickly and it's unrelenting now. And if we can't pivot with those shifts and flows and we can't pay attention to them happening, then we are more likely to not be able to shift when we need to shift. Right. 
Right. Well, you shifted a lot as a younger person. You lived in three countries in the first seven years of your life. Tell us about Natasha when she was a child, enduring all these changes. Well, I think that's why I love culture so much, um, because I come from a country that no longer exists. And I come from Eastern Europe and my parents were really rooted in this old way of doing things. And when we came to the US, um, it, it was a culture shock for them. And I was the kid who kind of translated some of you know what this world is like to them and some of what their world like was like to this world. And then we moved to Canada and then I was in the middle of another culture shift, which was the English versus the French. And because we were in Montreal, we had the we had the, the Hasidic Jews, we had the Greeks, we had the Italians, um, we had like an African community. We had so many different communities and the cultural swings of that that it felt very natural and and also fraught with tension with the English versus French uh, attempt to divide and separate from Canada, that this whole notion of culture and differences and worldviews and uh, competing interests and the, the desire to hold on to one's identity and nationality was very core to my, um, my forming days. When did you realize that you wanted to devote your life to helping others deal with change? Oh, that was probably back, oh, you know, so little known. You, know, you ask questions that really bring stuff out. So I was walking by um, a Scientology place. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I think I was 14. And they were talking about ideas I didn't even quite get at that time, you know, but it really revolved around personal development and becoming all you can be and being of service to others. And it resonated for me. Now, my mother kept intercepting these phone calls and saying, no, she doesn't want to talk to you. She's not here. <laughs> right? 14, you don't quite get the whole Scientology thing, right? But that was that trigger that said, you know, there is something more and there's something bigger and there's a way of giving back to the world that is so much more than I could imagine. And I think that NLP opened that first doorway to that. And in, in, my, in my training, um, and I don't know about yours, but I got this introduction to values. And I thought, well, you know, that's kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, I later completed my MBA and went back to, I was fascinated with change and fascinated with organizational change. Because when we work with clients individually, one-on-one, -on -one, we can help them shift their worldview and their mindset and how they cope and what they're aware of internally. But the one thing we can't shift is their external world. And they always, almost always, they will go back to whatever their context 
whatever their contextual markers are, whatever their peer group is, whatever their place of business looks like, because that environment and that contextual space is what holds the shift or unravels the shift. And I knew that organizations weren't getting the kind of change they wanted because they needed to work at both the individual level and at the group level. And I wanted to work at that group level. And that's what took me to Spiral Dynamics. And I took my first training and I read the book in 1997. I took my first training in 1998. I loved it so much. I was invited to join the company and I did. So exciting. Yeah, it, it's kind of sounds like with that, that, that commercial, I liked it so much. <laughs> <laughs> my listeners often uh, ask about how to move forward. And I know you're an expert in this area. How do you move forward in your life? And then how do you help others do the same? Well, for me, when I get stuck, um, and I get stuck a lot, um, what I do is I do one small thing differently, no matter what that small thing is. And I'll look for something that's become a habit and try to catch myself in the habit and choose something different. Um, as mundane as um, swapping when you do coffee or swapping the coffee for the tea or going somewhere else for lunch. And when you can see yourself doing something a little bit different and hear different people and hear different things, that gets you feeling like maybe you might be able to move on something that you were stuck on. Another thing I do is I pursue different programs. So to think differently, I put myself in the space of being with others who are teaching new things or who are delivering new products or services or who are delivering different trainings. And I put myself in their spaces and I try to implement what they're teaching me and try to pull it into my world or I unravel my world and I try to do it their way as if I was them for a while just to try it on. <laughs> Such great suggestions, Natasha. I really appreciate that. And I want to ask you about bullying with your varied experiences. I wonder if you have a story about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference. You are amazing, Bruce. Um, yeah, actually, uh, my husband and I were subject to um, over a decade of bullying. And um, it was it was rough. It was very tough um, because some of the stuff that we did with Spiral Dynamics was very confronting to a group of folks and dealing with it was rough. And sometimes we talk about it with one another, but it was so rough that sometimes it was really tough to talk about. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we'd be in our classes delivering the spiral dynamics content, and we'd have some of those folks in our classes. And it got so bad that um, it, um, I was PTSD for, for a number of years, and it would trigger the entire PTSD. Now, if you've got a room of 30 people, you can't go freak out. <laughs> no. Right? 
And what I did was um, internally was notice the reaction, notice the panic, notice the fear, um, notice it come up inside me and acknowledge what that was and ask myself, okay, is this person asking you that question because they're trying to get you or is it because there's a sincere desire underneath there to learn something? or to explore something. And once I was able to be mindful of their intention and their come from and the origins of what it was that they were trying to explore, I was able to let that emotion or that reaction simmer down some and then become fully present for them. And sometimes I had to ask them a couple of questions just to get myself grounded in their world and their experience and their reality to be fully present for them. But that was the one of the ways that I dealt with it. Right. Well, that's an interesting story, and I thank you so much for sharing it. As we move through this interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30-second answers are perfect. The first one is this. Who is one person who has influenced the mindfulness in your life? I think the person who's influenced mindfulness in my life was, was, is, was my husband, Chris Cowan. And he's influenced it because he was able to model being present with another person with full love and acceptance of who they are. And how has mindfulness affected your emotions, Natasha? Mindfulness has affected my emotions by allowing me to notice the initial sparking emotion. Far too many of us are feeling feelings about feelings. And that's a form of affect phobia. And by noticing the messages in that initial spark, we get to understand our reactions and what we need to know quickly rather than letting things spiral out of control. Tell us how breathing is a part of your mindfulness practice. So we're talking about... Um, the PTSD, and one of the things I did, and I did that in front of the room um, when I was having a reaction, and it was a long four count in, a four count hold, a four count exhale, and a four count hold. And I do that until I could be present in the room again. Excellent. Excellent. If you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, what would that be? Drawing a blank. <laughs> okay. No problem. And if you think of one, you can just mention it in a, in a few minutes. Can you share an app which helps you to be more mindful or some people that you know? Um, I actually, I love, um, and I forget the name of it, but the yoga apps. Mm -hmm. So yoga really helps me to be present, to be mindful, to notice um, what's going on, not only in me, but what's going on with others, because it helps me get more grounded more quickly. And it helps me meditate almost instantaneously if I have to. 
Okay. And I'm glad you said that about meditating because we really haven't talked about that. And I want to ask you about meditation and what your views are on meditation and what it looks like in your life. Um, the piece on meditation is we have a world now more than ever where there are fast furious, unrelenting stimuli where the phone is ringing and we've got a message here and a message there and you're getting an email and then a text and it's just never ending. And so many of us just can't spend the time to focus and dig deep. And one of the very profound things about evolving as humans and as part of uh, one of the models that we work with is the ability to go deep and to be present and to focus. And being able to do that in meditation allows us to do that outside because it's one thing to do it closed eyed without interruption. It's another thing to take that depth and that presence and that focus and that willingness to go deeper without distraction in the middle of 50,000 distractions. Right, absolutely. And so do you meditate every day? Um, probably, you know what, I kind of, I, I'm just horrendous because I've been working, you know, 12, 14, sometimes 16 hour days. Mm -hmm. um, but I will do it um, three my good weeks, four or five times a week. Yes. But typically, usually three times without fail. And how long do you meditate at a time? Um, I'm an overachiever and I get way too much on my plate. So I'm taking 20 minute bits. Right. But to share, you reminded me something to share with you. One of the, um, and you probably know all about this. Um, I think it was called Journey to Wild Divine. And it's kind of an app game that um, has a little piece that connects you uh, to the computer. And it, um, it measures your pulse, it measures your, your um, galvanic skin response, and it enables you to do things on the screen with this game. So it puts you into this open-eyed meditation and it puts you in control of your heart rate and your breathing and your galvanic skin response quicker than anybody's business. And you're doing it open-eyed and you are influencing this, this stuff on the screen. And you've probably talked about it on at least one of your shows. I, I'm sure you have. A yeah, we have. Yes. But I love that one. That was so deeper, faster, bigger, better and shorter than anything. So that was an amazing, an amazing app. Very, very cool. Well, Natasha, how can we learn more about you and what you do? Um, available on the web, spiraldynamics.org. And there's all kinds of goodies, um, reports and analyses and books. And your listeners are more than welcome to visit, to jump online or send me a note. Happy to respond to any questions. Thank and that's P-I-R-A-L dynamics.org. 
spiraldynamics.org. Yeah, so listeners, take advantage of all of those reports and all of those those free things that you can get there at spiraldynamics.org because it's very well worth it and it'll help you see the world in a different way and it'll help you understand how to move through some of the challenges that you have how to make changes and and really successfully achieve some of the goals that you're working towards so thank you natasha so much for being on the show it's been great chatting Marissa, it's been such a treasure and a pleasure to be with you. I've enjoyed it tremendously. Me too. All the best to you, Natasha. Bye now. <laughs> Thanks, Briz. Thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest name or the episode number into the search bar. You can also go mindfulnessmode.com slash whatever episode number you like. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, so many places you can hear Mindfulness Mode. So hit subscribe and share because that truly helps our show. Remember what I mentioned at the top of the show, the Release Your Overwhelm Guided Meditation for $4.99. Abandon your inner blocks, surrender your stress, and become more focused with the calming sound of the waves and reminders about how you can release your blocks that are holding you back. Download this full-length 30-minute guided meditation at mindfulnessmode.com release. So remember, subscribing and sharing helps keep Mindfulness Mode on the air. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.